Dave, we are back from a much needed bye week. This is game week. And what do we give the folks when it's game week? Everybody, your favorite segment is back. Know your foe. That's right. We're sitting down with Dalton Pence of Locked On Louisville to talk everything Louisville. Scott Satterfield, Malik Cunningham. Who's going to win this game? You're going to find out. And folks, thank you guys so much for being locked on Samuels. You first listen each and every single day. And with that being said, let's go on with the show. You are locked on Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here. And not only do I have Dave here, but I have our very own from the Locked On Louisville podcast, Mr. Dalton Pence from the show for our Know Your Foe series on the Louisville Cardinals as FSU travels to Bourbon Country this Friday. Dalton, what's going on, my guy? Oh, not much. I appreciate y'all fellas having me on. Uh, no worries. We love having you on. We love, we love having you on. But before we go, I guess, deeper into, uh, I guess, the team itself, I want a little, little, little like, tell, your, tell our fans, actually, you know, what's your background covering the team and also, like, what made you come into, I guess, you know, being a fan of the Louisville Cardinals and covering them as well? Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, born and raised in the Derby City. Um, I graduated from the university in 2019, you know, lifelong fan. Um, basically began covering the team as a football beat writer which kind of um, then stemmed into uh, being a recruiting analyst and then uh, just a plethora of different things, um, you know, covering all of Louisville sports across the board. And then, you know, joined the Locked On um, a month ago, or a month, a month, a year ago, last August. So uh, it's been pretty neat. This is second year on the, on the gig with Locked On. So yeah, we're full it's still actually, I think, right? Yeah, it is. It, we're getting <laughs> close to, yeah. And first time we've had a, a happy time around the podcast being two and oh but we'll get into that must be nice hey listen the past two times that we faced y'all i'm pretty yeah. sure that uh, y'all basically ran out of town and also i remember specifically a heisman campaign starting when we visited y'all back in 2016 so <laughs> we're good at that yeah we're good at doing that still my favorite louisville football game of all time i'm sure you you there. oh that's, that's you guys are still scoring somewhere in a parallel universe so Man, I'll be honest. Before we get in the show, I mean, I'll give you a little backstory. I mean, that you know, college game day, first time I remember. You know, I'm only 24, so I can't tell you the last time before that that Louisville had a college game day, like a true one. That like I felt like we came in having a, a true chance, and um, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, Dalvin Cook has torched us for you know his whole career, and then um, you know, from the very beginning, it was like, okay, this really can't be happening. And then the the infamous spin move at the end, I think um, I think that's kind of what Louisville fans are like. Oh my, this is real life. And uh, I mean, unfortunately, the uh, the train went off the track shortly after in the coming weeks. But nonetheless, we were we had a little bit of a high for a couple of weeks. So yeah, we have a selective memory. We choose not to remember <laughs> that game. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, actually, I got to see Lamar Jackson. I went up to Baltimore for law school, so I, like seeing him in person, it's uh, it hits a little bit different, but. We're not here to talk about the past. We're talking about the future. And currently, your future of the Louisville Cardinals is with Scott Satterfield. The first season came out pretty well. See the explosive plays. He took advantage of basically a 2-2 at well, Javian Hawkins. However, 
year before and kind of heading into this year, it kind of seems that he's lost Scott Sheffield's kind of lost favor with the Louisville fan base. So I kind of want to test the temperature. Like how do you, and how's the fan base as a whole feel about Scott Sheffield heading into the season? Well, uh, heading into the season, I think that, you know, after year three, after getting blown out to Kentucky in the rivalry game, losing to air force in the bowl game, you know, a lot of people realized that changes were going to need to be made. And, um, there was a very, very real possibility that Satterfield was going to get fired after year three and enter Jeff Brom into the mix. Like it was a very, very real possibility. Um, looked like it was almost a lock to happen. And then out of nowhere, Satterfield stays. Um, Louisville loses the president and athletic director in like two days combined, which was wild. Um, but year four, um, a lot needed to be changed. Obviously, the recruiting momentum um kind of alleviated some of those concerns or it, it more or less took the barbarians away from the gate for the time being but it was all about getting the results on the field the loss against syracuse was worst case scenario because it brought the barbarians back to the gate central florida has the team kind of at bay in terms of the fan base but i'll be honest i think that um you know there was um you know a couple of media personnel that went on the you know, national TV here in Louisville and, you know, basically said this may be Scott Satterfield's most important game, you know, in his hmm. tenure here at Louisville. And I think that that, although I don't necessarily maybe agree with that as much as I understand the gravity of the situation. So I would be lying if I said things were going peachy right now. Um, the temperature is, I'm not going to say scalding hot, but it's, it's pretty warm and okay. the results are going to have to come. Yeah, okay. and you know, you got we'll get more into Malik, but you guys have this incredible stretch of quarterbacks going, going back to Teddy Bridgewater and Lamar Jackson and now Malik Cunningham. It feels like if you guys don't have a great year, it's just going to be a waste of his talent. What exactly does Scott Satterfield have to do with Malik Cunningham, probably in his last year at Louisville, I imagine, unless things go crazy south, to remain the head coach and gain back the favor of the fan base? Well, like I said, it's it's about results. Um, I think that if you gauged the consensus of the the fan base, um, you know the general idea or the belief is that if Louisville gets at least six wins, you can deal with it. Um, my my expectation coming into the season is I wanted the Louisville to win seven. Anything more was was a cherry on top, but anything less, and you're kind of like decisions could be made so um and that's why the game against Syracuse was so pivotal because the back half of the schedule for Louisville it's brutal um so you know Syracuse who knows how good the Orange truly are um but it it was definitely a letdown so that's why games like Florida State you know these toss-up games you know Boston College Virginia there is so much you know heading into these games because there's a good chance Louisville might not win a lot in the in the back half of the schedule. So to answer your question, it's all about the results. Um, there's no moral victories. The past two years have been about, well, we were right there knocking on the door. Year four, can't really use that. 18 or so returning starters, can't really use that. Malik Cunningham back, like you said, you can't really use that anymore. It's all about getting into the win column. Okay, I could definitely feel that. And looking, I've just actually pulled up your schedule. And excuse me for looking over to my monitor over here. That you do end up basically, Dave. They actually play Pitt, Wake Forest, JMU, which actually is a pretty good FCS team. Clemson, NC State, and the last game is at Kentucky. So yeah, that oh uh, God. that is a kind of a rough schedule. Actually, we we had an episode about a month and a half ago discussing the our FSU schedule. We're like, oh, it's kind of rough, but it's not terrible. But seeing your schedule and also better. the Tech schedule. 
and makes us feel actually a lot yeah, better immensely. No um, and then before we get into the Malik Cunningham talk, I do want to ask you before we do that. You, so you've seen the Syracuse versus Louisville game, and then you had the UCF game last week. Where do you feel this team basically? Because I felt I was watching two different teams with against Syracuse, where mm-hmm. Syracuse we kind of see now is like a better of a team, but Gary Schrader and Sean Tucker both actually performed extremely well in, both, in those games. And then you had the UCF game where it felt like Louisville played much better, but also that UCF kind of kind of gave the game away. Like, where do you feel this team right now is at when it comes to the two? I think, you know, you're right. You, they, there was a distinctive difference between week one and week two. Week one, simply the team didn't look like they cared. They came out flat. They came out unprepared. Syracuse seemed like they wanted it more. There's not one aspect of the game that I looked at, and I was like, you know what? The Cardinals did that well. There was nothing there. Week two, you saw some improvement. Um, Malik Cunningham looked more comfortable. Scott Satterfield said after the game that, you know, basically we allowed him to you know, be more of himself rather than trying to force him into being a true pocket passer, which six years into his career here at Louisville, we know that he is not a true pocket passer. He's more of the hybrid dual threat. Um, yeah, I think that Louisville and UCF took turns trying to plead with the other team to win the game, and both teams just kept deferring and disagreeing until the end of the game, and, and Louisville was ahead at the end of the uh, at the end when the clock hit triple zeros. So, some decent like Louisville's defense. I had an episode earlier. I think that Louisville's defense had one of the best halves I've seen them play since Charlie Strong uh, defensively, and this this is the Louisville defense that we're going to talk about here in a minute scares me because they haven't really been all that great. And, and there's questions regarding the schemes of the defensive coordinator that Wolf fans have had. But I, I think that the the thoughts behind the team right now is that you saw some of that potential in week two, but there's no way you can be content because there's so much still needing to work on. And if Louisville puts the performance that they had on the field this past week against Florida State, I mean, we're, we're talking about a, a, a multiple touchdown win for the Seminoles because really wasn't that good of a performance. Almost, you know, 100 penalty yards, turnovers, missed field goals, uh, missed open receivers, uh, missed tackles. Um, this is like the first week that I feel like Wolf was going up against a good, a true good quarterback. I mean, Garrett Schrader and John Rice Plumley, no disrespect to either, converted wide receivers that make their mark as dual threats. I, I you'll learn that I'm a little higher on Jordan Travis than some of my uh, Louisville fellow Louisville fans. But yeah, I mean, I think that this, this week it's all about just continuing to get better. And um, I'll be honest, I don't necessarily feel the greatest about the matchup. Sorry to pull you guys away from the wonderful sit down we have going on right now with Mr. Dalton Pence on locked on Louisville, but we'd be remiss here at locked on Samuels. We're talking about friends over at bet online. Ben line is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your latest horse matches, whether it be, NHL, NBA, MLB heading into the playoffs, or always college football heading into week three. Simply go over to Bell Line today, use promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N to get a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Once again, use promo code Locked On, L O C K E D O N, Bell Line, where the game starts. And we'll we'll get to those predictions and we'll get to that defense. But you mentioned real great quarterback and that to me is Malik Cunningham too. Uh, we did this exercise here a few months ago where we we said we went through each of the ACC quarterbacks and it's loaded the ACC obviously. And we said who would we take over Jordan Travis? There was only a couple I chose, and Malik Cunningham was one of those. Um, he just his his running ability is special at like Jordan Travis. He's shown the ability to throw the ball at a high level mm-hmm. this year. 
feels weird. Um, you can look at his stats. You can watch him play. You can get into the advanced stats. Doesn't matter where you look. It doesn't quite feel like the same Malik Cunningham. Is it him? Is there something different in Malik Cunningham? Or is it the team around him, like the receiving core and the offensive line? What exactly is it that we're seeing different out of Malik Cunningham? I think roster personnel-wise, I think that this team is honestly better than they were last year. Um, mm. They have, like I said, okay. a lot of returning starters. You did lose some receivers, um, but I'll be honest. I mean, the losses of Ty- Tyler Harrell, Jordan Watkins, Justin Marshall, they're, it's expendable. You know, they are replaceable. And you brought in a guy like Tyler Hudson, who I'm very high on, uh, D. Wiggins. Then you got guys like Braden Smith, who literally was out for the season when we played Florida State. You know, went down in that game, didn't have him again. Mm-hmm. Amari Huggins, Bruce is back. Marshawn Ford, one of the best conference tight ends. Um, and almost all of the starting line. And then you insert Tyon Evans into the mix. There was no reason why Louisville's offense couldn't take the next step forward. It comes down to play calling mm-hmm. and the lack of predictability. Uh, or I should say, you know, the predictability mm. that this team has shown on offense, it's really hindered what they've been able to do. Um, you know, we, w- one of the reasons why the Louisville fan base has been kind of critical is that um, Scott Satterfield's offense is a run-predominant offense, which that is what it is, but it's so predictable. Like last week, second and long was almost always run plays. And statistically, I think like the net gain was like, plus two yards out of like nine or 10 second and second and long runs. And that's just not a recipe for success. No matter how good your offense is, if you're consistently in third and long situations, you're going to struggle. Like I said, Malik Cunningham didn't necessarily play his game week one week two. He looked a lot better. Um, Looked like the Malik that we knew and he looked a lot better, uh, but still it seems like they need to open the playbook up even more. Now, granted, I will tell you through the first two weeks last year, Cunningham wasn't that good either through the first two weeks. You know, it took him a little while. It took to that UCF game in week three last year for him to get in his bag, so to speak. I would expect for him to start turning it up as the year goes along, but make no mistake about it, um, he needs some help in terms of the play calling. Uh, they, and I'm not saying that you have to completely, you know, ditch the scheme, but switch it up a little bit. You know, throw some gadget plays, uh, some end arounds. Just, you know, play to Malik's strengths without making it so brutally obvious as to what you're doing because – I mean, they, they telegraphed what they've been doing at certain times during Syracuse and Central Florida. And listen, I feel like it's kind of a case like LSU. I think LSU kind of telegraphed some of the plays in that in their week one against Florida State. And, and you know, the, the defensive players for the Seminoles kind of uh, were able to kind of you know, sit into their zone and just allow you know, LSU to run right into their trap. So I don't think it's a personnel issue. I think it's more so a schematic issue, but also make no mistake about it, Malik has to you know perform better in all facets of the game. I will say, I think you're the first person I've heard say something nice about D. Wiggins when it comes to playing right. wide receiver because I'm from I'm from the South Florida area. I don't know he's a Miami transfer, even though he's famously known as basically burning Stanford Samuels, Levante Taylor for a long touchdown against us, and where Stanford Samuels put his hands up like this, being like because he's a solid player, and I think Marshawn Ford too as well is a good option. But you do lose Tyler Harrell, who was supposed to be kind of the number one guy at Alabama. Unfortunately, he has been hurt for the majority of the year. So the offense as a whole, it's kind of interesting how you're saying where it's not personnel, but it's something that me and Dave discussed with Mike Norvell where, where last season with Candelhan, uh, the former OC, that it's the personnel, it's the play calling up. It might be, might be the issue. I don't think that's something that any of the fan base has actually has hurt so far yet. Yeah, and piggyback. Yeah, say, just to add in real quick, sorry for interrupting. Yeah, Tyler no, Harrell, there's no doubt in my mind he's one of the most talented players in college football. Like I, You see the talent. He's fast as can be. He's so one fast. of the fastest I mean, he's probably the fastest receiver in college football. The thing about it is, 
Louisville's not an offense that utilizes the deep routes that goes mm-hmm. deep a lot. So as fast as Tyler Harrell is, I, I feel like his skill set wasn't necessarily um, tailor made for this offense. So you know, schematically speaking, it's more of an intermediate offense to where you know guys like Amari Huggins, Bruce, maybe not necessarily straight line, quick guys, but you know, very twitchy, smaller receivers that get into the slot like Tutu Atwell. You know, throwing it out into space and letting guys operate into space. And Tyler Harrell really didn't show all that much of uh, of a potential, but he was extremely electric in in the deep ball game. But that that it's not Louisville's mo. So that's why you know, a, as an athlete and as a player, it's hard to replace someone of his talent. But schematically, for a player that didn't necessarily fit all the way into the Louisville offense, it, it's definitely manageable. Yeah, and you know, w- one thing that I found really interesting that you said is that Malik looked a lot better throwing the ball against UCF. That's interesting because you just look at the raw num the, the raw passing stats, mm-hmm. and he had under fifty percent completions. Only yeah. the third time that's happened in the last three seasons for him. Um, is Malik Cunningham able to just go out and win the game purely on his arm? Is the is the personnel there for him to do that? Is he able to do that, or does he have to run the ball for that for for the Louisville Cardinals to win games? I mean. If if you are breaking it down that way, do I think he has the talent to go out and, and throw his way down the field to win to win games? I think he does. Now, obviously, the accuracy has to be spot on, and really, I think that he looked better throwing the ball last week simply because against Syracuse, he did not look good at all. So it was more so a testament to how bad he looked week one rather than how good he looked week two, uh, just because he was making throws that, you know, consistency was an issue, but he was making the throws that we were hoping to see in week in week two, or I'm sorry, week one. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that could he win it with his arm? Possibly, but there will be no chance in hell that Louisville would ever let that happen because, you know, you, you take away – his main, you know, go-to, you know, style of play. You know, Malik Cunningham is as dangerous as he is because of that ability to scramble. So maybe, you know, he's not necessarily a Lamar Jackson level, you know, type player, which I'm, I'm not sure that that will be again. <laughs> right. That's but, a once in a um, kind of thing, man. <laughs> but, but that's the thing about it is, is like Malik, like, I mean, yeah, if you take away his rushing ability, then, yeah, I mean, he probably is more so of an average player, but at the end of the day, he has that for a reason. And um, because he has that strength, you're going to see Louisville always utilize that. Now, obviously, if they need to throw their way down the field in a two-minute situation and he has to go 80 yards or so, maybe a little bit of a different situation. But I think that that's where you know Malik still has that talent now. It's a matter of consistently putting it out there. There's been flashes over the past couple of years, you know, him looking a lot better as a passer as the years go on. But um, yeah, like, like you said, I think that, um, you know, if that rushing attack isn't clicking, if he's not truly effective in that area, it kind of doesn't necessarily make Wolves offense one dimensional, but it, it, it really takes away a big advantage because it had, that's been one of Wolves biggest advantages since 2019 or so. <laughs> Right. And I asked that mostly because again, Syracuse looking at the box score, he only had 34 rushing yards and it feels like it's not a coincidence that he posted such a low rushing total. And you guys had, like you said, almost a worst case scenario game. So curious to see if, if the Florida state defense is intent on stopping him from running the ball, 
is Louisville comfortable just going to the passing game and saying, screw it. We don't even need that. I, I, here's the thing about it is I really am. a I'm a big fan of Malik. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, which a lot of Louisville fans are, but there's a sector of Louisville's fan base that doesn't necessarily believe in the hype as, as a pocket passer because of, like you said, statistically it just doesn't kind of get backed up, especially that sounds very, league. very familiar. Like our own fan base here with Jordan <laughs> yeah. Travis angle. Yeah. A lot of you. So, but we've seen it in a lot of it. It, it it doesn't get it doesn't get easy when you know you have play calling that tries to really force the issue on the ground so you don't get the opportunity to see Malik Cunningham throw the ball over 30 times a game but but he shows the ability that when when you give him RPOs when you give him ability to you know i mean he's one of the most efficient pocket passers under a clean pocket over the past 3 years in college football and i, I think that there's no you know, coincidence in realizing that when y'all Louisville offensive line, it, it's pretty solid. It looks solid against UCF finally, but when he has the opportunity to sit in the pocket and throw, you know, more oftentimes than not, he, he looks solid, but it, it's hard to look good when you're consistently, you know, battling off the third and longs to where, you know, defenses are able to throw different packages at you and you're, you know, forced to really, um, you know, make things happen. So I think that Malik hasn't gotten a fair uh, shake of things because the play calling really is kind of like a snowball effect. Now, if Louisville were to start passing a little bit more on, you know, first down or even second and long, I think that might look a little different. Um, but I think that talent-wise, I think Malik's got all the talent to um, you know be able to dissect any team throughout the air because they do have the athletes out wide. You know, you have Marshawn Ford, who's a human mismatch. Um, like I said, my question is why not? Um, but statistically speaking, I think it, it kind of skews the um, the reasoning a little bit when you don't necessarily watch Louisville. Every single game, every single play. You know, obviously, I don't watch Florida State every single game, every single play, but but it, it doesn't tell the full tale. Although I will say, statistically, definitely not living up to the expectations through two weeks. No, I can feel that. And let's go over from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball, okay. which is one thing that surprisingly, do my reaches for today, that I saw that Louisville has the 19th ranked rush defense in the entire country, which is something that I kind of found. <laughs> Surprising and also judging by your face, you're also surprised by that fact? Yeah, uh, I, I didn't know that at all. I, I thought it was actually pretty worse than that, if I'm being honest. Um, statistically speaking, I mean, didn't look good. I mean, Sean Tucker, let's be honest. It's Sean Tucker. <laughs> Sean Tucker is literally, you know, I had two months to tell Louisville fans why he was a top five running back in college football. And people, um, you know, it's Syracuse. People clowned me. Syracuse, yeah. People clowned me because we held him in check over the you know, over the course of last year's game. That was definitely uh, not the case at all. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that, that that definitely does surprise me. But but it's also been the fact that uh, week one the the defense could not tackle me out there. <laughs> uh, week two, obviously, a little different. Um, but I, I'm really, really surprised that they're 19th in the country because I thought it was a lot worse than that. Um, I'll but, double but check that to make sure if that's correct, but that's from what I'm saying. Regardless, right that now. is kind of the main issue for me because I know that Florida State uh, through, week, through two games is the number one rushing attack yeah. 
in the ACC, averaging 269 yards on the ground, and they do it with a very balanced attack. So in you know, Louisville as well, there's four guys that can hurt you in the Louisville backfield. So I know the advantage of having four different guys at your, your disposal that you can throw out there, and it's really a headache for opposing defensive coordinators. Okay, so for the casual fan, I mean, I think the casual Florida State fan doesn't think much of Louisville's defense. And mm -hmm. if if you happen to be more than a casual fan and go on to PFF, you see that Louisville doesn't have a defender graded 70 or above on the year for this year. So what exactly is the big picture story with this Louisville defense? What are they good at in light of the low ratings overall? Well, I'll be completely honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of pro football focus. Um, I do think that they're right on this this stance because I think that there's a lot to be desired from from the Louisville defense. And I think, honestly, a lot of my gripes with pro football focus is with the NFL side of things, more yeah, so with college. So I, I give it a little bit of, of um, you know, a benefit of the doubt. Um, but Louisville's defense, a lot of it has been schematics as well. Um, last year, not really rushing a lot of guys, uh, rushing three, dropping eight, and playing his own defense and allowing opposing receivers just to get into the – cracks and crevices in the open field and just pick Louisville's defense apart chunk chunk plays at a time 10 yards 12 yards 15 yards until you're in the red zone and Louisville's defense and obviously I think that they got better as the year went along but those were some of the issues against uh Syracuse where Garrett Schrader who's never in his career been known as a pocket passer he was right. a wide receiver before transferring to Syracuse and he's just finding these receivers and they're like Garrett Schrader is one of the best quarterbacks in week one I'm like dude I can throw it to open receivers I mean only a couple times were, were guys really even truly marked a little bit different week two when they brought the pressure in the second half. And look what it did. You made life hell for John Rice Plumley, and you allowed one drive over 40 yards in the second half for a mm -hmm. Gus Malzahn offense. That's pretty incredible to do, especially in the bouncy house. Um, I think the the MO for this Louisville defense is that they have the personnel. That's why it's been frustrating. You know, you have guys like Kendrick Duncan Jr., who's top five in solo tackles through two weeks. Cottrell Clark, he's one of the best quarterback cornerbacks in the ACC. Y'all might not necessarily be high on Jarvis Brownlee, but he's he's a solid secondary or tertiary level cornerback. Uh, for us, at least, he has been. Uh, Quincy Riley, Middle Tennessee straight Middle Tennessee State transfer has been solid. Solid linebacking core. Did lose Jermaine Lowley to a season-ending injury, which is a big blow to the interior defensive line, but they've got some solid pass rushers and Yaya Diaby and Ashton Gelati. I guess I say all that to say this, the personnel's there. Um, the personnel is there for this, this defense to be successful, but it seems like at times maybe they aren't necessarily put in the greatest positions to succeed in terms of the base packages, uh, but I will – there has been a lot of criticism for Brian Brown, the defensive coordinator. Um, with the criticism, I have to praise him for his style of play in the second half because you, we showed when you rush, when you bring the house and you force a guy to go against his strengths, good things happen. Now, obviously, it's going to be a little different with Jordan Travis uh, and the Florida State rushing attack, um, but the potential is there, and I think that that's what frustrates Louisville fans the most. I understand that. Also, for one thing, I will say I was incorrect. They actually are 19th worst in the country when it comes to rush defense. So that makes a little bit. I was more about sense. to say. I think my they apologies allow, on that. They allow <laughs> over like 250 on the ground, which kind of scares me because Florida State. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, I watched all of the LSU Florida State game, and um, I was impressed with uh, for, with uh, Jordan Travis. And now, granted, I think we also have to ask the question. 
realistically, how good is LSU in, in game one under Brian Kelly when they lost so much from the Ed Ogeron era, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll see. But I think you have to give credit to the Seminoles for handling business and, and doing what they had to do. So I, I do want to ask you all, for, for my personal <laughs> right ahead. You know, aspect of things, what is your all's take on this team right now? Are they – uh, obviously, two and zero. It's hard to really read too much into it, and it can kind of be almost counterintuitive to do so. What's what's your all's take on this team this year? Um, it, I mean, are we looking at a team that could win eight games? What, what what's the Florida State of twenty twenty two looking like? So, for me personally, not speaking for Dave, I was in the camp that this was a team that can win eight, should win seven, will win six, primarily because what we saw, Mike Navarro had eight wins over his first two seasons. And he that and he didn't match Willie Taggart, who was only here for a year and a half for total wins until he beat Duquesne two weeks ago. Right. So it's one of those things where it's like I couldn't give too much faith. But when you see the drubbing of Duquesne, which I know it's not that much, but this is also the same program who struggled with Jacksonville State the year before, and then we lost them outright last year. But then you see with the LSU game, that was a game that we would typically end up losing in the end because of some boneheaded plays, especially some of the boneheaded play calling, and that's one of the things where. Gus Malzahn and Mike Norvell have a very similar base packaging and they have a similar kind of play calling. And also that's where basically the uh, ugly he- head kind of rears out when Mike Norvell gets into the clutch time. But to me, for right now, you see Jordan Travis improve as a passer, which is something that Dave has heard me kind of be having a mea culpa the past, past few weeks because I was one of those people in the camp where I didn't believe JT could actually develop into this great of a passer. And we're seeing him do that as we speak before our very eyes. To me, this is a team that not only can win eight, I think sneakily they actually can win nine games this season, and that's mainly because we haven't won two, we haven't been two and zero in a very long time. So maybe I'm like very hyped. To me, this Louisville game, if we win this game, we confidently should win this game. That we should actually probably go on win nine games for the rest of the year. Yeah, and I'll I'll say this about this Florida State team: I think we share a lot of your same frustrations. Like the personnel this year in particular too feels like it's all there. This is one of the best defensive lines, not just in the ACC, but in the country. We finally got Tatum Bethune from UCF to make the linebacking core more solid. The DBs are all blue chip prospects. They always are at Florida state offensive side of the ball. We haven't given Jordan Travis any help at wide receiver. Finally, we take a half a million transfers at wide receiver. And it looks like that that's finally put him (laughs) over the ledge for being able to, you know, play like he is right now and right. so it's funny because that segues into i think probably the last segment but it, it feels like before the season i said louisville was a guaranteed loss i said I, I had no room for budging on that uh because i thought malik was just too good and as you can tell he's a big big malik cunningham fan as you can i, I am the way Mas- i don't blame him I, I am as well. and and so this game now to me after two weeks if you call it a knee jerk because it probably is it feels like a game that florida state probably should win now and we're slightly favored so that's not that crazy but but is louisville going to win this game dalton you know i'm going to on my projection predictions this year flip it do the opposite <laughs> i predicted a syracuse win i was wrong I predict a UCF win. I was also wrong. Um, I'm predicting a Florida State win. I think that um, this is the best team so far that Louisville's played. Um, I'm actually higher on Florida State than a lot of Louisville fans, although Louisville fans are kind of, from a consensus point of view, a lot of people are expecting this to 
possibly go wrong quickly. Um, there is kind of a, um, you know, giddy optimism, you know, and kind of a, you know, just kind of a, you know, homerism, you're know, hoping that this team puts it all together because would it surprise me if Louisville went into this game and won? No, I mean, they've got the pieces to do so. I mean, Scott Satterfield literally has not lost a Florida state in his tenure at Louisville. He has the blueprint to beat Mark, Mike Norvell. He's done it three times. And some of those wins have been pretty convincing. Um, but I, I will say that Florida state is probably the best that they've been under Norvell as well. Um, they have a lot of, you know, good solid supporting pieces but you have to be able to limit those mental mistakes that have really harmed this team for the past two years you have to you know take away the predictability on offense and make things a little bit different on defense so um to make a long rationale short i think that florida state wins this game um i think we're probably looking anywhere from about seven to about 13 points. I, I do want to give credit to Louisville a little bit. I think that they're going to play probably better than they have. Uh, but, you know, I haven't seen a lot in the first two weeks that leads me to believe, yeah, the Cardinals are going to win this one. I think this is going to be like a three to seven point kind of one. I think it's definitely going to be close because this is the one thing where, Dave, we've seen this for the past few years, where after a big, big win the week after, that's why we're kind of thankful we had a bye week. You go into the next week not really caring that much. We beat UNC uh, week one, and then we played, actually, ironically, we played y'all on lost like what forty eight to sixteen or forty eight to ten, something like that. And then last year, we almost beat Notre Dame, and then we lose Jacksonville State. So then I do want to ask you, if Louisville does find a way to win, what is the reason why? And the re- and outside of Malik Cunningham, is there a specific player or a specific sort of basically scheme or theme that you have that basically can guide Louisville to victory? Well, I think. Um... For the Cardinals defensively, it is getting into the backfield, um, you know, forcing Jordan Travis to get uncomfortable and, and forcing him to make decisions a little bit quicker than he's used to making. I feel, feel like that's kind of cliche, but we've seen that when the Louisville defense is able to create pressure uh, for opposing teams, good things happen, obviously. Um, but I think that the biggest key to this game is offensively. I think that they have to set the tone up front. Louisville's offensive line looked solid last week against UCF, and they're going to be a solid offensive line. I mean, you return uh, four, actually really five starters, and one of them is Caleb Chandler, who's one of the best guards in the country. Um, but Florida State, one of the best defensive lines in the country, like you said. So something has to give um, for Malik Cunningham and the Louisville offense, especially in the rushing attack, for them to um, have some success. They're going to have to set the tone. They're going to have to create some gaps. They're going to have to give Malik Cunningham some time to throw the football. And if they don't, it's going to be a long night. Okay, well, hopefully we won't hear Yaya Diaby's name too much because that's one player that I saw. I think he was on the, the uh, athletics list of 1 to 100 top freaks actually in the entire country. And then also Aston was a Gilletti. He's also another player that Todd. actually maybe beginning to watch. believe Malik Cunningham's going to have to, you know, take care of someone by the name of Jared Verse, who I think kind of announced himself to the world uh, on Labor Day weekend. But Dalton, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a blast finally having you on here. Please let the folks know where they can follow you and follow your work. Yeah, at Depence underscore is the personal Twitter, at LO underscore Louisville for the Locked On Twitter family. Um, Yeah, like I said, um, YouTube, all the streaming services out there. You can find all my work basically on my Twitter. All, my, all the links are in there and stuff like that. So pretty straightforward, just at defense underscore. Give the man a follow. Gives out great content. And Dave, send us home, my guy. All right. So are you telling me to tell them where to find the podcast and the YouTube, Drake? Find a, where they can find our podcast and where they can find his YouTube. Yes. We'll do on our YouTube and his YouTube. Yes. Okay. You can find us anywhere you find your podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google Play. 
and for the YouTube. If you like the video, which you should, give it a like. Subscribe to the channel. Ding the little bell at the top. It'll tell you when the episodes drop. And leave us some comments below. Did you disagree with our takes? Tell us why Florida State's going to win convincingly. And also tell us why the Louis- Louisville is no slouch to be slept on because I feel this game is be a lot closer than what you're <laughs> yeah. talking about. But with that being said, this was Drake. That was Dave. And that was Dalton from Locked on Louisville. And we'll see you all next time on Locked on Sentinels. Take care, everybody. Go ACC. Go ACC.